coming soon to a theater near you. Bonaire Jonestown Pictures presents Gemini Man, the show. How the old sibling rivalry has contributed and competed with the new sibling rivalry. Here are some scenes. Old sibling rivalry. Hey, what are you doing? What are you doing, CL? Playing with my tutor football. You're practicing. That's not fair. New sibling rivalry. Hey, Chris, what are you doing on my Twitter? Hey, man, it's all for, you know, it's all for the show, man. Old sibling rivalry. Hey, CL, that's my $6 million man. No, you just got the rocket. That's my $6 million man. New sibling rivalry. Uh, hey, CL, can we retake the show photo, the promo photo? I, I, got, a, I got a better haircut now. No, that's okay. I make it look good for the both of us. Coming soon to a theater near you. Sibling rivalry. Gemini. What did I call it? CL. <laughs> That's a true statement, that last one about the picture. <laughs> <laughs> All of those are true statements, basically, CL. You got the $6 million, man. I got the daggone rocket. What am I supposed to do with a rocket? I mean, be creative. <laughs> and I was. Be grateful. You got a rocket. Oh, really? Okay. How about that? I tried hard to steal that thing. It, it never, it didn't work. It didn't work. Too savvy to the game. But, hey, I need you to be savvy like you always are to this game, the Big Playback. The big playback. This one we are calling, folks, World Leagues. The American fascination with expanding art sports to the world. Is it working? Has it ever worked? Sia, what do you think? Well, uh, it seems like it's worked kind of in increments, but not overall. I mean, I, I think um, this is obviously we're highlighting this because of uh, what's going on with the NBA in relation to China's reaction to a, to a tweet by Rockets, Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey uh, supporting Hong Kong. So uh, the the Lakers did, were doing scheduled to do NBA Cares in Shanghai. That game got canceled officially. Um, but it's 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 it should be about the sport. I mean, and we see obviously the Olympics have been around forever. So it, the thought is that yes, we should be able to come together. Uh, in competition on common ground, and that should supersede politics and differences and all that kind of stuff. But uh, I think, culturally speaking, that that's a big hurdle to jump over for you know trying to trying to uh, institute, if you will, um, our leagues, not necessarily the sport itself, but you know our leagues into uh, other countries into other cultures. So. I don't know if it'll ever work. I don't know. I, I still believe that that you know, in, in terms of us exporting, I still believe basketball has the best chance, um, you know, out of out of everything. But what we're seeing with China shutting stuff down because because of a tweet, like think about that, because of a tweet, um, not a protest during the game, not you know, some mass movement is one guy. One guy <laughs> has caused all of this. And I saw uh, at the Sixers game on, on Tuesday night, um, there were two people that were escorted out. This was in Philadelphia. Two people escorted out 
uh, for an exhibition game. I guess the Sixers were playing uh, a team from China, and um, uh, they had signs that said "Free Hong Kong." Two little placards said "Free Hong Kong." They ended up being escorted out. I don't know if they had the option of just giving up the signs and staying to watch, and they refused or whatever. But the fact that that's happening in America is absurd. Hmm. Yeah. So, and you know, I think the point is the the point is that it it was it was in America when he said it. That's what you pointed out. You know, it's he was his his intended audience. I'm sure was, you know, kind of coming from the Western perspective. So so China took issue with this. And I, what I tried to do when you told me about this is I tried to turn it around in my mind and say, what if, you know, uh, some some Russian um, uh, officer or something said something about California? I know. I don't know. I was just like, what if he said the uh, uh, San Francisco should be a sanctuary city all the way? Or I don't I have no idea what he would. But whatever he said. There would be no repercussion. I mean, that's that we are America. We believe in in freedom of speech in that way, and we would have been fine. But the problem is that they're not America. That's the problem. They're not America. So, so yes, what he said. They 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 got that tight hand of control over everything that's going on over there. The, a billion point six people or whatever. And so, yeah, it's a mess. And 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 what it makes me think about is just you know how hard, like you said, if there's a hurdle. There's a hurdle when we're trying to do it. Uh, let me ask you this, though. I, I have to say you're probably right about basketball. Basketball was created in America, yes? Yeah, but I believe James Naismith technically was Canadian. But when he created the game, he was in Kansas. Okay. Right? Topeka. Maybe. Yeah. For the sake of our argument, though, I'm going to even say North American. I'm good. I'm good, I'm good with that. So, so – Basketball pretty much created here. Baseball, New York, pretty much created here, and and both of those have taken off worldwide. You know, football is super specific, and it, it, it has problems taking off. Even this Sunday with the Panthers playing, is it the Buccaneers in in London? Yes. Yeah. yeah, even that game. CL, CL, you gonna wake up and watch that game? No, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Uh... I've always kind of since the NFL Europe um, and since they continue to have this game in London, I, I I just wonder about why. Why do they continue to do it? Um, but obviously they feel like they've got some kind of traction to, to keep the oil, at least I think, you know. Uh, but the, the flip side is they do keep sending Jacksonville <laughs> over there. Mm -hmm. uh, Jacksonville's giving up home games to go over. So... Uh, it's not. It's not that they're always presenting the best. You know, the best of the best NFL teams at the time to go play that game. Um, but you know, I, I think football is definitely behind uh, behind the curve because relative to the other sports, it's 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 like the new money <laughs> true, uh, true. of exported sports uh, in in uh, internationally. So. Um, and I think it's 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 truly like an American, like physical and powerful, and this is what wins. Not that there isn't strategy involved, but I, I feel like it's 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 more truly an American kind of game. That's not it's not about finesse in football. Oh, it's about power. So uh, the other sports, you can see it's, it's more nuance to it and yes. stuff, and you know, especially but, baseball. 
Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, you can look at the flip side, though, of of football everywhere else, Mm -hmm. but soccer in the States. I mean, they're still as popular as it is, you know, in youth leagues and things of that nature. It still hasn't carried over to a mass you know, mass followings uh, of adults, you know, making soccer a priority. So um, I guess that works both ways in terms of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the... the. But I, I don't know that any of the European clubs specifically have, have made it a point to try and have, you know, try and really put soccer on the map. Well, not soccer on the map, but try and really establish a foothold here. Mm-hmm. Like if, if mm-hmm. one of the popular teams, you know... Uh, Barcelona or or uh, Real Madrid or somebody came over Manchester United. You know what I mean? Like if one of those uh, teams, if they really, I don't know. I don't even know how that would look and how mm-hmm. what how much support. Like how how would you do that? Mm-hmm. But I also don't know if it would work <laughs> right now. So. No, I mean, it's very much regional rivalry over there, okay? And so just the landmass that we have here, I would compare our states and regions of our country, that rivalry, to Europe, you know, and, and the surrounding area. I think there's, there's a comparison. But we're talking about countries over there. Here we're talking about regions and states. So, so the, soccer is, you know, fever pitch over there because they are different countries. Over here, you know, football is super passionate because it's different states within the same country. And there's even that patriotism as, a, as in this is ours. So I, I think it works well here. Think about when the Canadian Football League, you know, expanded into the States. And while I, I, I had fun with that, <laughs> there were some fun team names, there were some fun players in there, uh, that just, that failed pretty miserably. So, you know, I, I think about the London game, and I, I would have to side once again, surprise, with John Harbaugh, which after that last one, he said, I, I never want to go over there again. Hmm. I, and I agree. But you said something again, CL. You said something that might might prove to be prophetic because you said they keep bringing the Jaguars over there, and they're going to bring the Jaguars, <laughs> the London Jaguars <laughs> and, and CL. And then another layer of what you said before, which I think is going to be true, is money is what, you know, the, the possibility of profit is what's pushing the way. I think, you know, the NBA, uh, NBA and the NFL sees London as a potential profitable uh, area for, for this sport, another Big time world city, and and I think that you know in the same way uh, the NBA sees China as a, you know a big potential profitable area, which is why they are backpedaling. You know, like like Richard Sermon is backpedaling in the in the defensive backfield, or with that statement that he made. Well, one last thing on the NBA, I think they shouldn't they shouldn't feel a need to try and uh bend over backwards to appease China because if China let, let's say moving forward with the popularity of basketball in general internationally there could be enough pressure on China to participate if China has the athletes to be good you know and and be on the world stage and really compete they're not going to want to s- to stay amongst themselves and be the best in China. They're still going to want to play amongst the best in the world, and the best in the world play in the NBA. So ultimately, I think that wins out over anything. CL, you're much too much of a freedom-oriented man. I mean, CL, what, so where would that pressure 
Like, if you could just dig a little deeper, where would that pressure come from for for China and and the people that run that? Where would that pressure? You know what I'm saying? I mean, I think the the same way baseball players in Cuba, you know, would defect from their national team to come play in the major leagues. Like, like you want to be measured against the best. Like that's the the pressure is. I mean, I I don't think pressure is the right word, but you see the motivation. I guess I think I would say it that way. Like. You you see what the best is. You see who's doing what. You know, and if you had that kind of talent, where you think you could measure up with that, you're gonna want to play. You're gonna want to be like, you know what? I don't I don't want to just stay in the China, you know, Chinese Basketball League Association or whatever they call it. You know what I mean? I want to go play in the NBA. I want to play. And and if China, you know, from a government perspective, if they know they have somebody who can represent like Yao Ming yes. back in the day, if yes. they know they have somebody who can represent on a world stage like that, they want they're going to want to send them. True. It's all interesting. We'll see how it plays out. And I want you all to stick around and see how this plays out. First of all, our sponsors and, and give them an ear because without them, there's no us. And then second of all, come on back because we got an excellent edition of Referee Rich. We haven't cranked it up in a long time. Let's get those flags dusted off. Come on back here on Sibling Robbery Sports 97.9 The Hill. Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. And it is time for us to bring in the 12th man, the right hook from the left coast. The coast with not the most. <laughs> Sorry, Rich. Uh, yo, uh, Rich Hallstrom, otherwise known as Referee Rich. And Rich has been, you know, doing some pinch hitting here on the show as of late. But Rich, we're, we're bringing you back in your original context for this segment, Referee Rich. We're going to have a good old-fashioned segment of Referee Rich and just get the banter on. How you doing, Rich? I am doing well. I am doing well. I have... Uh... A uh, big supply of flags this week, Chris. So we can't, we cannot run out. We will not run out. And I'm wearing my favorite referee shirt this morning. So I'm all ready to go. Nice. Yeah, folks. Rich has uh, covered Seattle sports, specifically the Seahawks, for for 30 years. You know, just bouncing around doing various things. He is the man with the knowledge up there. He does a radio show uh, right now on KGNW Radio uh, called Sports Timeout. And it's he, you know, he's part of the sports roundtable for that one, um, Rich. And uh, how's that been going, Rich? I feel I heard that you're really versed on soccer. After, uh, uh, yeah, unfortunately, we uh, paid a little bit too much attention to soccer, but we will rectify that this week, uh, Chris. The Iron uh, Hand, a worldwide sport, but uh, let's not go overboard. It's not number one in America. And we can have a long conversation about why that's the case, but that conversation wouldn't be too long. Let's get into it. It's not even number four in America. Let me see how that how CL reacts to that. Uh, it, that's so irrelevant, it's not man. Even number four in America. Y'all need to get out more, five. but. <laughs> Well, apparently everybody does because soccer only averages like five thousand. So y'all need to get out more. <laughs> Let's does, get does into it, America man. Need Let's to get, get, out get into more. it now. Now you're We're getting, getting me hype right now. Now you're getting me hype. Let's get it. Get into it right now. I will give it credit. 
That's right. Let's do this then. Let's get let's get the music cranking for referee Rich. Referee Rich, he's going to basically be the ref and make the call on who argues these hot sports topics better, CL or myself. What you got for us, Rich? Well, let's go into the uh, music pop culture world with question number one, featuring our best friend. Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg at Kansas. Should Kansas have booked him? I'll take this one. And I will say yes. It was it was Kansas, the equivalent of Midnight Madness, which I believe is called Late Night at the Fog. Um, and they they brought in Snoop Dogg to perform, to go along with, you know, basically just signaling the start of college basketball season. Now there have been plenty of rappers who have performed at these kind of events before. Uh, Rick Ross comes to mind. I believe he was at Memphis. Um, uh, Drake has been at Kentucky. I believe Lil Wayne has done it. Like, like from from across the gamut, from hardcore rappers to more pop-oriented rappers. Had all kinds. The, the issue isn't with them booking Snoop. The issue is with whatever was communicated with Snoop as to what kind of performance he should have. Now, that being said, it's, this is a, it's still college kids hearing uh, plenty of Kansas college kids, University of Kansas kids love Snoop Dogg. And, and he said he had a ball when he talked about his performance afterwards. And so... Uh, what does that mean? There's what? <laughs> I said, what exactly does that mean? He had, I'm saying, I used the term. I know what you're ball, saying. But oh, okay, okay. He, he said, you know, he enjoyed himself, whatever. So uh, there's, there's nothing wrong with them booking Snoop Dogg specifically and a rapper in general for this event. Now, it's, the, the rest of it has, has to do with the, the whole brouhaha to me has to do with the communication behind how he was going to perform or what have you. But no, there's no problem in Kansas booking Snoop. Clearly, there is a problem with Kansas having booked Snoop because they came out and apologized afterwards. And clearly, the people in charge there did not know uh, what was to come. Now, Snoop Dogg colored it like, well, you know, if they're going to book Snoop Dogg, they going to get Snoop Dogg. You know, they, he basically said that and, and he said that they, he, he felt it seemed like what he was saying. Is he felt like they knew what was to come. But uh, I don't know. Backlash happened. And so they came out and apologized and did all the backpedaling and that type of thing. See, I'm going to tell you a story that I don't think you know. It's a Snoop Dogg interaction story. Do you know this? I do not. Thunder Sports. When, when we were at the Super Bowl, when Seattle was playing Pittsburgh, and we were doing our pregame show in Pontiac, there was something called the Snooper Bowl, remember? And, you know, he had the kids playing Little League. He had his own team out there, you know, and, and he sponsored a Little League team. And so they were in the Pontiac Silverdome. So we're doing our pregame show, and we decide we have uh, rappers Dynamic Twins as some of our guests. And we're like, hey, hey, you guys, why don't you go and interview Snoop Dogg? Let's see if we can talk to Snoop Dogg. So we wanted to try to get through his his uh, his people and talk to him. It was what would I compare that to? I, I don't know. But anyway, there was it was impossible to get through and talk to him. But but there there was a point where he comes walking around the concourse. You could tell it was him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think what happened is I had gone to run an errand and I saw this large group of people 
coming around after the game, you know, it kind of cleared out and everything. And I saw them coming. And I ran back. Rich, Rich, you remember this because you were there. I ran back and I said, hey, guys, Snoop Dogg is coming around the concourse right now. Get the cameras and let's go get them. So we got the cameras up, um, which took a long time. But anyway, we, we got the cameras up. Talk about unnecessary swipes, Rich. We, we got the cameras up. And we, we we went over there and, and you know, uh, the, the brothers that are the Dynamic Twins tried to get in the mix and see if Snoop could answer a question or two. CL, he has an entourage back then. Had. Yeah. Back then. Well, no, okay, entourage is the wrong word then. Security detail is the right word. The those CL, those are the fiercest looking men I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like seriously, like snarling walking pit bull men. Those guys were oh don't mess with those guys. You won't live if you mess with those guys. And so one, I think it was, uh, I think it was Joel Arthurton, one of the one of the Diamond Twins, <laughs> went up to one of the guys and said, "Hey, you know, we're JCTV. We'd like to try to interview Snoop Dogg." Rich, do you remember the response on that one? Uh, that was not met with the greatest of ease. <laughs> well put. It was like, well put. Uh, what, what are you doing in front of me? Was basically the response. And let's put it this way. If Snoop's security detail was playing for the Jets, they might win a game. (laughs) (laughs) So my point in all this, CL, because I know that's what you're asking. What is your point? It's not so easy to get a message through to Snoop. I don't care who you are. It is not so easy. And so I'm going to say that uh, even if Kansas had tried even if they had had some concern and had tried, I don't know that that would have been received. I think Snoop would have said, well, they want Snoop and they gonna pay for Snoop, they gonna get Snoop. I think that's what he would have said. I think that's what he did. And they learned their lesson. It definitely is not about rap. Yeah, of course they can get rappers to come and and do whatever. It's not about that. It's about Snoop Dogg. You Uh, You realize that was like 15 years ago. Your point. Almost. Your Snoop Dogg point. is a grandfather now. Did you know that? He He's still had a has son a son who has family. Oh, yeah. But but it's totally different. Back then, is if I'm not mistaken, my, my timing might be off. But back then, I believe, is when he had uh, separated. Well, he had already separated from Death Row, but he still had, like, beefs in the industry. Like, that was still, you know, that was still heightened security. He had reason to be paranoid about people about two guys who came up Man, who had a camera who had up, a camera whoever, well it wasn't him it was his security but if his security is told one thing his security has nothing to do with him performing at kansas that's my point so yeah. kansas could have got a message to him that we want we want a a softer version we want a pg version we want a censored version of songs and performance by I, th- I believe they were called acrobatic dancers <laughs> that he had with them. Pole I think that's dancers. That's how it was, was described. <laughs> Pole but, dancers. You know, that's that's Kansas Steel should have booked them. So what say ye, Rich? I say CL, you win the argument hands down because any rational person would know enough about Snoop Dogg before <laughs> booking him. Kansas <laughs> had a right to book him. They booked him. They shouldn't have apologized. CL, you win. 
We're not talking about rational people. We're talking about Kansas. Oh, okay. What's next? I don't. What's next? Did Baker Mayfield disrespect Richard Sherman? All right. So the the quagmire that is Baker Mayfield, the the odyssey of Baker Mayfield continues after they got destroyed. And, and by the way, I tweeted this. I don't know if you saw the CL. I tweeted out a picture from the game. I just cut the game on. And in my mind, I was saying, okay, what's the score? The score is probably, I'm going to say the score is Cleveland 20, um, San Fran 17. I was guessing. On the screen, it said Cleveland, uh, uh, San Fran 28, Cleveland 2. You could you could imagine how thrilled I was at that score, and then they they changed it, so it was actually twenty eight to three. Somehow they put the wrong score. Up there. I think I saw that. Yes, that too, and it was two. Yes, but uh, so after just getting whooped and shellacked, you know, this story has emerged that um, you know Richard Sermon, cornerback, veteran cornerback, former Seahawk, who who you know had an interception in the game and played lights out in the game. He he said that he was he felt had felt disrespected or what have you, you know, in the beginning at the handshake because he said that Baker Mayfield basically didn't hand, give him a handshake. So then a video came out of the handshakes and the video clearly shows that Baker Mayfield did shake his hand. So you know the question is did did he disrespect him? And I'm going to say yes. I believe he did disrespect him. Here's why. Uh, I think the reason that Richard Sherman felt disrespected is because I think that Baker Mayfield's greeting was just kind of icy. Yes, he raised his hand. Yes, he raised his hand and they, they slapped hands or whatever. But it, it did not seem like he was like saying a lot that he was, hey, man, yeah, man, let's, uh, let's do it, man. Have a great game. Stay healthy. It didn't seem like that. It seemed like it was icy. And by the way, he has a reputation of icy greetings. He greeted uh, Lamar Jackson, Heisman to Heisman. I know he was upset about losing the game, you know, but Heisman to Heisman last year, last game of the season when, when the Ravens beat Cleveland, he barely said anything to Lamar, who was literally chasing him, trying to say, hey, man, you know, this was something special. He barely wanted to say anything. I think that he has a couple of instances like that where he's a little, little icy there. So I think Richard Sherman said, okay, okay, I'm going to welcome you to the league, boy. That was post-game you're talking about, Lamar Jackson and Baker Mayfield. This mm-hmm. is pre-game. Before you're about to go toe-to-toe with somebody, you don't need to be – I mean, did you want him to be like Magic and Isaiah back in, <laughs> in the finals back in the day and give each other a kiss on the cheek? Like, a handshake is all you should expect when you're doing the coin toss and you're about to kick off a game. The the time for actual warm greetings is in the warm-ups. If you happen to be on field while you're doing stretches like two hours, three hours before the game, Game when guys take the field. That's the time for, for pleasantries. When you're right about to kick the ball off, then that's the time where a handshake is enough and you keep it moving. So no, Baker Mayfield, as as much as I've criticized him for other things that he's done since he's been in the league, this would not be one of them. He did not disrespect Richard Sherman with the handshake before the game. If Baker Mayfield is actually concerned about disrespecting Richard Sherman. He should be more concerned about disrespecting the game of football by channeling Johnny Manziel on Monday Night Football. (laughs) That was one of the worst performances I've ever seen on Monday Night Football. 
Hmm. Okay. And I gotta say, I got to say, you got to be more concentrating on the game than concentrating on a handshake. Than concentrating on a handshake. But Chris, I'm gonna give this win to you. Oh, I thought I was going down there. Yes. Because I think this illustrates cultural differences. Hmm. Yeah. I think you contradicted your point, Ref. That's a flag right there. That is a flag. When are some of these flags going to come out? That's what I want to know. Two two people can see the exact same thing differently based on cultural differences. That's what I see here, and that's why I call it. Cultural differences. A handshake is a handshake, man. This wasn't no cultural difference. There are cultural differences, that man. Maybe not, Baker, that was not but a cultural you know difference. You say that before you don't need to be warm, but why was he giving other guys dap hugs before? The That's game? on Richard Sherman. And and the other guys were doing it too. And we didn't see I didn't see Richard Sherman necessarily reach around like like he was going to embrace Bayfield, Maker uh Baker Mayfield. He said it right the first time. All it looked like he was doing was extending his hand. That's on Sherman. But we need to keep it moving. Let's go to the next question. All right. Staying on the gridiron. Yes. Was the Mason Rudolph hit clean or dirty? I'm going to start this one and say, yes, it was dirty. It was a dirty hit because in today's game, today, 20 years ago, that hit would have been fine. We would we'd just be talking about the results of it and the effect of it but not the hit itself but this is 2019 Mm -hmm. they've done plenty of things to clean up the game in terms of targeting and leading with your head and things of that nature Uh, Rudolph was basically a defenseless uh, defenseless runner going down he was already wrapped up he was already on his way down uh, when the shot came in and the, the fact that to me that sums it up that it was a dirty hit was he was flagged on the play yes yes look around look around all you want he was flagged on the play 15 yards first down pittsburgh the flag was unnecessary roughness first down pittsburgh stop pointing man okay can i go are you are you (laughs) that's my argument demonstrate was that part of that demonstration was that part of your argument there by the way referee rich is in seattle can't see you do that okay Listen, no one can but you, but that's all I need to see. <laughs> well, they all know now. <laughs> listen, listen. Um, no way was that a dirty hit. The fact that it was flagged doesn't make it a dirty hit. The fact that it was flagged just makes uh, the fact that some refs who had a couple of questionable calls in that game uh, say, well, we need to call that. Now, I, I, I did not like the results of that play. I mean, Mason was b- basically knocked out. That was, that you know, you don't want to see that. That was scary. And also, I wanted to, you know, it would have been nice to see him finish the game. But I've got to say, I really feel like all that, all that Thomas was doing, the safety from the Ravens, was just going and trying to disrupt that play. He was trying to disrupt what he was doing. He's about to throw the ball. And I felt like he came in with his heads up. It's heads up football. And he came in with his heads up. He caught, He's not as tall. He caught him under the chin. You know, v- vague angles. But he did not target. He didn't hit him with the crown of his helmet. He didn't tar- target and just go square into his jaw. It was just how momentum caught everything. That's why. I do not think that was a dirty that was a dirty hit. Now, I think that 
if it were a dirty hit, another evidence here is I think that John Harbaugh would have apologized for the hit. He would have said, yeah, I think that we want to teach heads up football. That was an unfortunate situation. No, he wouldn't apologize for it. He would definitely say we want to teach. He would talk about what they want to teach, that that was an unfortunate situation, yada, yada. But instead, that's not what he said. He said, that was a clean hit. And and I'm going to go with Coach Harbaugh. That was clean. Referee Rich has got a he's shaking his head over here because CL made the proper point at the beginning of the discussion. We're not talking about 20 years ago. We're not talking about 10 years ago. We're talking about in today's NFL. We don't like the rules. Maybe we better not play the game because the way the game is played today got to play a whole different style and it it's unfortunate but the defensive player has to play a whole different style than years ago based on the rules may not be fair but that's the way the cookie crumbles as it rolls down the hill so i gotta give it to cl on this question once again hands down Hands down. Thank you very much. Hands down. How's it hands down? Hands that, that's down. very, you know, subjective and okay. It, it just you know, the question just rhetorical. Why? Hey, hey, rhetorical. Why did it not result in an ejection? An ejection. If it was that bad, he should have been thrown out of the game. Why he should have. Why not? <laughs> Why wasn't he? They miss stuff all the time. Are afraid to eject anyone because they've suffered so much criticism. Any. Any football fan can see. Any football fan can see that. They could care less about criticism. Do we know who these guys are personally? We've got to grow a backbone to improve the game. <laughs> okay. That's my that's my take on the referees. I right. believe that the referees should be full time, and they should be in better shape, and they need to grow a backbone. Okay. But as far as the rules go, the NFL is going in the right direction. They just need to execute and have the tools at their dispense in order to execute. Hey, when I question the league about this call, I, the one thing I'm going to ask is if you were you were fit to make this call or if you are bitter because uh, Thomas used to play for Seattle and you don't like the way he left. Okay, just just putting that out. Oh there. no, 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 not at all, not at all. <laughs> because you know why? Because Mr. Thomas is not going to win another Super Bowl ring, no matter who he plays. Oh really? Okay, we'll see how that works out, Mister. Last question. Well, I know that the Ravens are not going to be in the Super Bowl this year. Really? Because your your we prediction for the season the was the Ravens. <laughs> that was your prediction. So now, you, are you changing official your prediction? Uh, yes, I yes I will change my yes I will change that prediction because the Ravens will come to Seattle on October twentieth, and they will hear the roar that is CenturyLink Field, and Lamar Jackson will go down at the hands of Jadavian Clowney. Maybe one, two, or maybe even three times. I haven't decided yet. It's referee Rich. Thank you uh, once again. And, and I, you know, hey, listen, CL takes this one home. And, you know, I, all I have to say is I just hope that 
referee Rich, you you know it's not personal when I go to the league with my my complaints and my my letter of proof. Okay, you know it's not personal against you. You know you're my boy and all. So I just want you to know those two that that you got you didn't call right. I'm gonna go to the league. Okay. Oh, it's nothing. It's it's nothing personal. But remember this: you can go to the league, but I still have the flag. <laughs> <laughs> Referee Rich, folks, thank you for joining us, Rich Hallstrom. We're going to come on back and do more of what we do here on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. It's different, right? Welcome back to Sibling Rivalry Sports on 97.9 The Hill. Where we always chill. CL, you did some chilling of your own. Your your annual ritual of going to ACC Media Day. Is it always in Charlotte? Um, yeah. At least since I've been going to them. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. And once again in Charlotte, uh, talking college basketball. What uh, what were your impressions? What did you come away with? Well, you know, the, the day has... It kind of takes a, a pattern... Um, where you kind of get tired of hearing the same questions because everybody has their own stuff they have to work on, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, but you you get tired of hearing the same questions and the same kind of answers. I like to uh, go in with with uh, something a little different sometimes, just to just to get the players talking in general. Mm-hmm. Um, you really can't shake the coaches most time. They're <laughs> they're pretty focused and and on a mission. But mm-hmm. I think this year, I mean. I'm going to pick Louisville to win the conference, um, which I think wow. they, they should be a top five team, probably preseason rankings. Um, they they had a great freshman recruiting class come in. The real question I have for them is at point guard. But I believe every team in the ACC this year has a major question mark, even especially the teams at the top. I mean, normally we'll come into a year and – you know the Duke, Carolina, Virginia will kind of you know at least in, at least in these recent years would be the teams that most people are talking about and predicting to be at the top, um, and those teams are obviously still going to be predicted at the top. But there's no clear cut. You know you can't just look at anybody's roster right now and be like that is the bona fide number one team. Everybody has you know questions, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be. It should make for an interesting season. Obviously, this year they they're going to twenty games, twenty conference games for the first time in history, which will lead to some early matchups. Carolina opens with Notre Dame on November sixth, which I think is going to be a challenging game because Notre Dame had uh, a lot of guys hurt last year, so they'll come back with a lot of experience. And Carolina's going to be kind of the opposite of that. With you know the the four guys that they lost from last year, they lost a lot of experience, a lot of scoring, a lot of rebounding. So they'll have more questions than usual coming into that first game. So uh, it, it's going to be, uh, I think it'll be a fun year um, to see how it all sorts out. Now wait, that's the absolute first game of the season. Yes, the first real game. I'm not talking about exhibitions, right, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, first. Oh wow, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that's early. Does it, no, <laughs> yeah, no, that's early. Yeah, yeah. okay, okay, <laughs> sure. And Carolina wow. will have uh, a game against Virginia. Their second conference game will be at Virginia in December. I forgot the exact date, but. Um, you know, both now they've obviously played conference games in December before, but mm-hmm. 
still it, it'll be early December and normally it's the time of year where you're working your bugs out of the system in non-conference play and you know mm-hmm. you you maybe even already have a few uh, games you're supposed to win <laughs> guaranteed mm-hmm. kind of games in there to to work out those kind of uh, kinks I guess but now now you got to be ready for day from day one and Carolina's mm-hmm. kind of beat up you know um, Roy Williams was saying that uh, uh, Sterling Manley is definitely you know uh, if there was an IR in college basketball, he would be on it right oh, now. Wow. He's been out mm-hmm. with you know a recurrence of, of knee problems. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of their freshman guards uh, who've come in uh, are going to have to, you know, they're still kind of going through the process of getting back to full strength. Um, even Leaky Black, who, uh, you know, as we said on the show before, we're expecting big things from. Mm-hmm. Um, he is still kind of working through some things too so I mean it, Roy Roy Williams said that they had to pull up you know uh, a guard from the uh, JV team and he didn't even know his name you know before they started practicing like he had to <laughs> he had to be informed on who was going to be out there so uh, you know that's that will certainly make the degree of difficulty <laughs> a little bit higher for that first game for Carolina. Hey, CL, let me ask you, do you think that um, when it comes to the young players and how things are kind of morphing and changing, whereas you, and and as you said a number of times, maybe Carolina is more in the game now with players who would be in the one-and-done category, whereas before Carolina had, had a, rap, a rep that was against that. Do you think with those types of players emerging, that will help an earlier start because these players are a better... I guess, I guess, better caliber. That's probably the wrong way to say it. But do you see what I'm saying? Yes, uh, I see what you're saying. But no, I don't think that'll necessarily, you know, I don't think it'll help. I don't think it'll necessarily hurt either. You know what I mean? It just kind of depends on on the mix and the chemistry that the guys who are going to be the core core of the rotation, how quickly they can come together, um, matters to me more than more than. You know, just the the individual talents being ready. Obviously, Cole Anthony is is ahead of the game in terms of a freshman coming into play, um, and you know, a lot of people are going to expect a lot from him from from the opening tip. Mm-hmm. And uh, I I think <laughs> I think as they should because he's that talented. But um, it's really going to matter on how he meshes with everybody else because, yeah, yeah, he's talented enough to be a day-one starter, but how will that manifest itself with him working with, you know, the the Garrison Brooks, the Brandon Robinsons that are returning and, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to uh, trying to make it all work. Okay. All right. Well, folks, keep tuning in. Um, as it goes on, CL will definitely have a scoop as we keep going. So thank you, CL. For that scoopage, let's go away for a second, give our sponsors more ears, and then come on back for our final segment here on Sibling Rivalry Sports 97.9 The Hill. Back to sibling rivalry sports on 97.9 The Hill. 
CL, don't think I'm going to let you get out of here and get out of this show without some more in-depth, you know, talking, talkage, if you will, about Seattle. I mean, I'm sorry, geez, Oh, about, Well, I was thinking Stillers. I was going to say Stillers Ravens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stillers, Try and clean it up if you Ravens. want to. Stillers Ravens. It happened, CL. Now, I know you didn't watch. He so. switched teams, people. He was a Seattle fan. That's what that is. That's the Freudian slip oh, coming out. Oh, that's okay. That's okay. I'm good with it. I'm good with you know folks knowing that I was a Seahawk before the Ravens existed. So, yeah, I'm good. Well, apparently still. You're the one that just said <laughs> Seattle. <laughs> what... what uh, good try, though, to you know get away from the topic, CL. I still need to hear from you on this. I mean... Pittsburgh was in a position to win that game, man. They were in a position to win that game with a third-string quarterback. So uh, I'll I'll take that. I'll take that, you know. Um, a lot of people I saw on Twitter um, in real time were criticizing Mike Tomlin for kicking in overtime. It, well, Pittsburgh oh, won yeah, the toss and off. he kicked off. Yeah, and it, yeah. it turned out to be the right decision mm-hmm. because the defense – uh, held him to a three and out, mm-hmm. and they got better field position than his explanation was. They did the kickoff return was horrible. He didn't use the word horrible, but it was bad mm-hmm. uh, earlier in the game, and he didn't want to put a third string quarterback at his 15 yard line to sure. start a drive. So sure. that worked, but Juju's fumble didn't work. So so ironic how it all turned out. You know, yeah, I, I don't think fans could have, they can't take issue with Tomlin. There is no way that Tomlin had that team playing hard in that game, like you said, in a position to win, you know, coming back and taking the lead late in the game. You you can't, how are you going to fault him for, for any of that? CL, let me also say, that was a very interesting coin flip there going into overtime. Here's what happened, CL. You got your your guy, um, the defensive tackle, uh, really, who was making the call for the Steelers. I think um, it was Cam Hayward. Yes, there you go, Ironhead son. And and he he what he was doing was saying we want to defend this goal. They wanted to defend the open end of the stadium. It's very hard to kick field goals that way. So we want to defend this. So wait a minute, if you call what you're going to defend, the other team gets to choose whether they get the ball or not. If you call that, that's how it's supposed to work. Now, I can look it up again, but I'm telling you, that is how it's always worked. Do you agree with that, CL? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> he was Because all, all Herod wanted was, we're going to defend this. That's all he said. So they, they won the toss. We're going to defend this. And so the Ravens are like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll take the ball, I guess. Uh, no, guys, kick it off. Kick the ball. You can say we want to kick off, even though they said they've chosen to defend. So I was just thinking that. But anyway, you're right. They came out there. Uh, Pittsburgh held them. And it was just CL. It was just the the symmetry of what happened early in the game. Uh, Smith-Schuster uh, broke that tackle, that that fumble stomp attempt. Uh, you know, waving uh, Humphrey waving his arm. He broke the tackle for a thirty-plus yard touchdown. Isn't it ironic that late in the game, it's the exact same thing. Smith Susser had caught the ball, and now Humphrey, and this time it worked, and Humphrey was the one to pick it up. That was some irony there, and Humphrey, I would agree with what people are saying. He's one of the best. He's one of the best. What, the game was more frustrating for me than it was fun. I'm not going to lie. That was a frustrating game for me to watch. Hmm. But uh, I guess I, I'll take it. Uh, I'm, I'm more thrilled, I have to admit, CL, with Cleveland getting stomped. I love that. <laughs> 
Well, the the funny thing to me though is at one and four, Pittsburgh isn't entirely out of the AFC North race. I mean, it's still just two games. Yeah. Two games back. Yeah. See, so, yeah, you think they're going to make a comeback there? Not with a third string quarterback, but I'm saying that that speaks to yeah, Baltimore won, but that don't make Baltimore good. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> that doesn't make any of the team. I mean, Cleveland and Cincinnati, they're not none of the teams are good at this point. You can't oh, I disagree with that. It's, 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 I disagree. It, you can't say we're not good. It may be the worst the worst team in the the uh, I mean worst uh division in the league. Mm, okay. We play AFC AFC North ball. That's all I gotta say. Come on, man. Look at Cincinnati, man. Cincinnati can't win, but Cincinnati has gone and fought tooth and nail every week. Every week. We play SC North ball, baby. Uh, and even even Baltimore's wins. Does anybody have a winning record? Didn't they beat Baltimore Arizona? Has, oh, you're saying no, the their opponents. That, um, Who was the other one they had? Yeah, it's Miami, Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> Miami, Arizona, Pittsburgh. Lost to Cleveland. That's, Cleveland. Cleveland has a losing record. Lost that's to and then Kansas City. That's horrible. So look, I see how the teams Kansas that they City, win, the teams that they Kansas have beaten City, do not have a winning record. Kansas that City was the point. only one they played with the winning record, CL. Kansas City's the only team that can we help that? <laughs> Who is we? Let me take that. Who is we? That's sorry. Oh my okay. That's Here we sorry. go. Here we go. That is. That's not sorry. That's division lead. I mean, you you can take it, but I'm I'm telling you that the team is not good. Okay. All right, CL. Well, thanks for that sportsmanship, CL. Anytime. <laughs> I see you pointing first down again. That's all I can see right now. All right. Well, folks, uh, we're glad that you're seeing us, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Come on back. We're going to have more fun and have more awesome sports content here on Sibling Rivalry Sports. Oh, by the way. My name is Chris Brown. I'm C.L. Brown. And this is Sibling Sibling Rivalry Rivalry Sports Sports. on 97.9 The Hill.